you get it right. I, I age slow. You see any salt in my beard? Be real with me. Sit a little bit. Are you for real? Yeah, like that. What's wrong with that, bro? Yeah, I'm not. No, I'm, I'm keeping. I ain't but dying you, this. But you felt like you, it looked like you. You were disparaged by no, this. That, yeah. the way I look and the way I feel is two different things. Sometimes I might look a certain way. You like. He's like, yo, you see some salt? He said, yeah, a little bit. For real? For real, you see that salt? You see that salt? Yeah. I'm saying, yeah. I, hey, I'm, I'm accepting my age. I don't care. Ain't nobody going, you know what I'm saying? That you know what I'm saying? No, I'm thinking, like, hey, 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 you know, as soon as I caught myself saying, I'm like, they got me. They got yeah. me. Welcome to another episode of Three Black Guys on the Couch, where you got three brothers on the couch. I'm O'Neal. Lewis. Alzo Slade Jr. Three black guys on the couch. How y'all fellas doing today? Holding it down like paperweights. Holding it down like paperweights, you know what I'm saying? I'm the same way, man. I can't say nothing better than what he just said. That's amazing. Yeah, I feel good too, man. You know what I'm saying? I see y'all got the the long beards, y'all growing or whatever. I ain't tripping, because I'm growing a beard too. It's already already growing, it's already growing. You the one growing one. I'm growing one. Next time? I cut it down, I'm growing it back. Are you gonna grow it long? Yeah. I had a long beard too, though, man, you know what I'm saying? Which Why are you looking at me like that? Because like, like I, I don't believe on. it. Which what you mean? <laughs> Look about you can see the uh, the five o'clock shadow. I can grow a whole beard. I can grow one thicker than Alzo. I just don't want to. Why? You, why I got to be? Because I need <laughs> something to compare something to. <laughs> but you can just say I could grow one like Alzo. Oh, you had to say longer thicker than, than Alzo. Thicker than, I, 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 I. I can grow one like Alzo. I grow one. Like, competition with you. I know. I know. I need to get this out of supposed there. Supposed to be. This is three black guys on a couch. Yeah. You know when we leave this couch. We got enough trouble in the streets. That's true. That's with true. racism, with discrimination and all, all that. that. So why are you gonna provide some of this nonsense while we own the couch? And that, it's supposed to be a safe space. That what you just said was powerful and you're right. And now I in turn will reciprocate that the right way as a brother that got reprimanded for saying the wrong thing should say. Thank you, Alzo, you right. <laughs> I mean. See that? That's for all y'all out there that when you get critiqued by your boy and you want to get mad and be like, what's up, man? Fuck you and all that. Nah, you do like I did. I'm going to do it again. You're right, Alzo. We got enough to worry about in these streets after we leave this couch. But to be clear, this does not preclude any one of us from roasting. (laughs) (laughs) Just to be clear, which is an excellent segue into my next thing. You know, I heard around the way, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Y'all do comedy, whatever. I'm saying y'all done stand up. Now I ain't never did stand up before. I've done improv, you know. I performed improv, and not many brothers do improv. I performed with the Groundlings. I was in the Sunday Company. Not many brothers do that, you know. But I always felt like, you know, I ain't trying to, you know, I ain't trying to outshine y'all right now. But I always felt like stand up was my thing. You feel me? I always felt like that. (laughs) Oh, all right. Well, you was the only person over there, so I was trying to look out the window, but you was in the way, so I just looked at you. So, you know, I just, I don't know, man. Lewis, you know, I, I'm going to start with you first. Then I'm going to go to Alzo. You know, how long you been doing stand-up for? Man, I, I've been doing it for years, man. I probably, the first time I ever touched the stage was probably 2007. But um, I really started taking it seriously probably around 2019. So, yeah, about, what was that, four years? So, yeah, about okay. four years now. What about you? I started for real for real around 2013 but I, yeah. I did it in college yeah oh for real in college i did it my like my freshman year this was in the in the 90s when black comedy was at its peak yeah you know deaf comedy jam comic yeah. views sure and so they had like black comedy clubs popping up all over the place and they had one in houston called just joking yeah bro <laughs> <laughs> that thing was sure enough black bro Listen. Ooh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so 
I I used to do the little the little talent shows yep. on the yard on campus, and I went to an HBCU, so that's tough enough already. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. But my partners was like, "Yo, you should, you know, you should get on stage. You should, you know." So I went to just joking in Houston on the night they had Apollo night. So you already know what Apollo is. Oh no! Ooh. Listen. So I ain't invite. None of my homies. Smart, smart. You know what I'm <laughs> smart. You know, if it went well, then boom, I invite him the next go round. Yeah. If I if I bomb, ain't nobody know. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I went there, and uh, this uh, is Apollo night, so they had stuff other than comedy. They had this dude. They had some like some poets, singers. Yo, this one dude went up there, bald head. Dark skin. Back then when it was popular. Popular. Well, popular. Dark skin still popping. Let's yeah, be clear. I mean, I'm dark skin too. You are, but you like, you more like a mocha. Twix. A Twix. Yeah, you like, you a caramel. <laughs> yeah. Yo, uh, brother, dark skin, bald head, swole. Yeah. And sing like Barry White mixed with Luther Vandross. Oh. And he was handing out roses. And he went up before you? No, so oh, he just went. He, he went, okay. he went okay. right? Yeah, yeah. I went. I did well. Yeah. Like I ain't kill it. Yeah, yeah. But I did well. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah, saying? So yeah, I'm feeling yeah. good. So you know they bring everybody back on stage, and then like the crowd determines who wins. So it came down to me and him. Yeah. That dude won, but everybody was encouraging because I'm like 17, 18 years old. Yeah. They're like, Yo, young buck, you got to come back. You got to come back. You know what I'm saying? You was funny. Yada yada yada. Boom. I invite all my partners the next week. You feeling good. Feeling good, <laughs> bruh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The, the crowd was on my side. The host is on my side. Yeah. So I get there. It's a new host, right? But I ain't no comic yet, though. I ain't no professional comedian. Yeah. I'm not writing every day. Right. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I wasn't either. So, yeah. I, so I, yeah. So you already know where it's yeah. going. <laughs> yes. Bruh, so I get up there. I say the first joke. Crickets. Yep. Second joke. Crickets. <laughs> Right, and then my whole soul is just leaving my body, bro. Yep. It's getting hot on the stage. Now, next thing you know, I hear in the faint, this is boo. <laughs> boo, boo. And all of a sudden, a cacophony of boos, bro. A cacophony of boos just hit me on the stage, bro. And next thing you know, the DJ start playing the music. The same man come. Oh, they played me. Off. Yeah, they played me off. All that, bro. It was bad. And mind you, my partners is there, bro. And it was a new host. So the host went up there after I got booed off and said, "Yo, you know I rock with y'all as the audience. Y'all energy is great. I usually agree with y'all, but I gotta lie. I, I ain't gonna lie. I was in the back listening to young dude. He was funny to me. Yeah. I don't understand why y'all booed him." And she, this one woman stood up with her drink, and she said, <laughs> we booed him because he said them same tired-ass jokes last week. <laughs> so similar story to you, kind of similar. So I started in college, too. And yeah. so the homies got me all riled up. He's like, yo, you funny, man. Go up there, tell some jokes. So finally, you know, I signed up, did well at the open mic. You know, so I'm like, all right, I'm keep going. Like you, I'm not writing every day. So I go to another open mic at school, you know, pretty well-known comedian in Chicago was there and he was like, yo, you did good. Now it's time for you to go to a real club. Mm. 
get up with the big Chicago boys, too? right? Yeah. So there was there was a spot called Jokes and Notes, and like <clears throat> yes. yeah, yeah, I know. So jo- yeah. yeah, see, yeah, Jokes and Notes is well known. Like all the heavy hitters came up out of there. It's so like uh, Lil Rail, Damn Fool, Baldhead Phillips, like Dion Cole, all these folks used to be in there weekly, right? Yeah. So I get up there. I did the opposite. I I actually invited a couple folks to come see me. And I'm like, I hadn't been on stage in probably like two months. I'm like, you know, I'm going to just get up there and just, you know, do what I did last time. You know what I'm saying? And I got this. Get up there just like you. Crickets. Next joke, crickets. At one point, I said something. I just remember somebody in the audience saying, ew. And that's the only response I ever got. So I get off stage. They ain't play me off or nothing like that. Thank God. Get off stage. The host at the time was Dion Cole. Mm. Like the host that you had, he was like, yo, he was like, man, I thought that brother was funny, man. And like, I literally could not show my face in that club for for months, but I started going back and, and trying to get back into it, man. But one of the things that people really don't understand about comedy is like, man, it, it takes repetition, man. Just like in anything to get good. Like you have to just keep going, keep doing it keep figuring out what works what doesn't work it's almost like you know putting together like a uh um like like what's the right mixture to put together like chemistry or something like that yeah. like what you know mm-hmm. and just being able to uh uh evolve and like you might be going through your set and somebody in the crowd might say something crazy to you and so now like you got to jump out of your set you might want to address this person and then now you got to figure out like all right how do i jump back into my set or do mm-hmm. i advance to the next joke within my set mm-hmm. just yeah. so you know everything it's like a rhythm, you know what I'm saying? So I know a lot of people say that they write their jo- well, not a lot, but I've heard one cat say he writes his jokes like songs, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And so, you know, everybody has their own way of doing it, but uh, I think everybody should just do it the way that works for them, meaning like how you write and everything like that. Cause I don't write every day. I just, yeah. I'll put notes down in my phone and then I'll come back, write a little more that I want to add to it, go to open mics, try it out. Even if it's incomplete, mm-hmm. I might pick up something you know, from from my experience on stage or other comedians are at these open mics too. So they might help you tag it up and then you just go from there. But it, it's, 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 it's one of those things where like when you are on stage and you got everybody laughing, it feels like it's one of the most magical feelings you could ever feel yeah. in. Like, like yeah. it's times mm-hmm. where you feel like you could just say anything and the crowd will laugh. You can yeah. just be like, yo, uh, sharks. And be like, ah, that nigga crazy. That nigga <laughs> said sharks. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Is is nothing comparable to that? Like I, I like I said, before, I've never done stand up comedy, but I can relate to you on that from the improv side, like where you feel like now I got them in the palm of my hand, so yeah. I can just yeah. I can just do anything and they'll laugh. Yeah. Question I from did improv. How was it? It was great. Yeah, it was yeah. great. It's a, it's a big difference. Tell me the difference. Yeah, Tell me I think the, 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 the difference between improv is that one, I think people are more forgiving. Yeah. In improv. Yeah. Because they know it's coming off the top of your head in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And in improv, you are not supposed to be the funniest person. Yeah. And if you are trying to be the funniest person, you look like a jackass. You look like a jackass. And it's very yeah. obvious. Yes. That you're trying to be that dude. Yeah. And so you you have a team to lean on. If it, if you if you're not having a good night, you got your, your teammates you got your team. to you lean team. on. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yep. And it's forgiving in that people are um People understand that it's coming off the top of the head. And when something hits, I think it's many times it's stronger in improv because they know that it's coming mm-hmm. off the top. Yes, that's what you know? I'm saying. Now, but in, 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 in stand-up, when you're not funny, folks is like, oh, 
this is premeditated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you, you yeah. actually <laughs> took time, thought about this, wrote this down, yeah. and thought you were gonna be funny with this. Yes, that's so well said. Yeah, but then yep. when when you when you come up with uh, some clever shit and stand up, people have an immense amount of respect for you, especially. And I don't know if, if you feel this way, but to me, the best comics are the ones that that they just give you half of what you need, and then the audience meets you halfway. Yes. They have to think yeah. in order to <clears throat> to arrive to where you are. And part of the laughter is them celebrating the fact that they were yes. able to get there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. As opposed to some comics, they just give it to you on a silver platter. You know, you discover that, oh, when I'm myself and, and in my delivery, in my way, what I've what I've discovered from watching different comics is in the successful ones is that they're true they're truly unique as individuals because they're themselves. Their delivery, the way they speak, how they speak, their cadence. They're not emulating someone else. Like you said that, oh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, why, why is every time I get on the elevator, a white woman clench your purse? Now I know you're trying to be Paul Moody. Now but, I know you're trying but, to be something But such. if you could take that and go somewhere with it that's your own, yeah. I'm fine yeah. with it. Yeah, yeah, so if you're going to yeah. give me that premise, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to fold my arms. I'm going to be like, all right, let's see. I'm going to fold see. my arms. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like in my yeah. mind, I'm like this. All right, but I ain't, I ain't, I ain't blocked you yet. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you license to take it somewhere right. where I don't think you're gonna take it. Yeah. But if you take it exactly where I think, I'm gonna be like, ah, yeah, I'm gonna write yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, been watching yeah. YouTube. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think a part of it too is like to your point, you know, it's it's all about finding your voice. Yeah. So like when you first starting off, you don't really have your own voice. You going yeah. off based off folks that influenced you. And yes. so like for me, there was times when I, I sounded like Mike Epps. There was times when I sounded like Dion Cole because I liked their particular mm-hmm. style of comedy, whether yeah. it was their de- delivery or what have you. And so it took me a minute to be able to find my voice. I yell, how can I take my uh, sense of humor that I have off the mic and bring it onto the stage that yeah. I'm showing my authentic self to the audience? How long did it take you to be able to figure out how to do it? It took me a couple of years, to be honest with you, man. And I, I think it could have been faster if I would have been a lot more consistent with yeah. the, how much I was going out on stage. But like once I was being really consistent and getting out there, I'm like, this is what they talking what about talking when about. they say you find your voice. Yeah. So let me ask both of you this question. <clears throat> I heard Dave Chappelle say that when he got booed, it liberated him and it made him feel like, okay, well, this is the worst it can be. I'm going all in. Oh, yeah. Did it do the same for y'all? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, like, it's yeah. kind of like, you know, if you've never been in a fight before and all of a sudden, like you've never been in a fight before, you scared as hell to get hit in the mouth. Yeah. You know, but then you take a boxing class or something and then you get caught with one and then it ain't fun, but you like, uh, this ain't as bad as I thought it yeah, was. Yeah. And then only take one time and all right, next time I'm gonna duck. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Next time I'm gonna slip. And so you get booed, you're like, this shit don't feel good, but it's not as bad as I thought it was. Now I need to go back to the lab and figure out how to switch it up. So, okay, here's a question that I've been wanting to always ask stand-up comics. I've never asked this. And if I have, remind me, because you know I'm getting older, so I repeat things a lot. Um, I feel as though the Dave Chappelle, I, obviously, it's almost to the point where not using Dave as an example is cliche, but I gotta use him. I feel as though Dave injected, was the first comic, black or white, to inject pure wit into comedy, no. into comedy, right? No. That, that, that's what I'm saying, correct me if I'm wrong. What do you mean by pure wit? wit yeah. Like like backdoor comedy, like sharp, smart comedy. Before, to me, it was very on the nose. 
Now, now, correct me if I'm wrong, because this is, y'all do this. So if you you can name no. professionals like like George Carlin and yes, other people, I mean, obviously yeah. that come come to mind. But to me, Dave was like because I, I'm Jamaican and I grew up watching a lot of BBC stuff, right? So Benny Hill and Monty Python and all and I can't remember all these other weird comics that were just very smart and nuanced and the jokes would come through the back door and i would always as a kid i would always compare it to american comedy which was very you know was still funny but very in your face and on the nose and dave was like the first comedian that i ever saw that didn't hit you right on the nose he came through the back door i remember dave Chappelle on remember jenny jones of course i remember freaking dave Chappelle used to be in the jenny jones audience and he used to stand up and just Ask no, dumb was, questions. Was it was guy. brilliant. It was yeah. brilliant. But with that being said, I felt like Dave was the first to inject wit. You, you I mean, I mean, I, I think Pryor injected plenty of wit. Yeah, you feel the same way too. Uh, yeah, I think Pryor. I think Paul Mooney. Paul Mooney for sure. Paul Mooney for sure. Yes, I mean Paul Mooney is the foundation of of, of the Pryor. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Paul Mooney for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, no argument there. Even, Paul Mooney for sure. Uh, uh, and I feel so bad that I can't think of the name right now. Um, he passed away uh, a few years back. Um, Patrice. Uh, Bernie Mac? Uh, no, uh, he was like uh, involved in civil rights. Oh, um, Dick Gregory. Dick Gregory. Hundred percent. Yeah. So you know. Um, I, yeah, I think yeah, they Patrice, were Patrice, Witt, what? Yeah, yeah. Austin loves Patrice. Yeah. Every other night he used to send me Patrice on the other side. I'm like, bro, I, mean, I get it. Yeah, yeah. So, no, just go ahead and say it, man. I know you want to say it, say it, bro. No, I'm just saying. No, that. not say it, because I see the look on your face. Well, I, I see mean, the same you, look on your face. Just go ahead and say you, it, man. I don't understand how you came to the conclusion that Dave Chappelle was the first black comic to inject wit I okay, so comedy. So you know about all of these So to correct you, Alzo Slade, with the killer name Alzo Slade, to correct you, I said, I feel. I prefaced it with, did I not thank you? I prefaced it with, I feel. Hold on, let me finish. He got this Kodak Black look. He got the Kodak Black look. (laughs) (laughs) I said, I feel as though Dave, and I said, but you guys are comedians. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did I not say that, Lewis? Thank you, man. Based upon information. yeah, on my my limited information, but you the you comedian, had, you had it, but you, you the had, comedian. That's you, why I pass no, it to no, you. No, but you the audience, though. So what I'm you, saying, I, I, how is it that you feel? I don't know what more nah, I got to do, nah, Alzo. Nah, I, I don't know. Let you speak. Let me speak. Go ahead. Go let ahead. Me, let me ask the question. <laughs> oh yeah, Alzo. I'm go trying ahead, to go ahead. understand how you came to this feeling when you know Patrice O'Neill, Dick Gregory, Paul Mooney, Richard Pryor. Well, at the time, Alzo, when I formulated the question, I wasn't thinking about them. You, formed, yeah. you just asked us the question five minutes ago. At the time, I wasn't thinking about them five minutes ago. And then when he, when Lewis started mentioning, I was like, ah, that's right, Patrice. Ah, that's right. Ah, oh, Paul Mooney did it. And I was like, okay, you guys are right. Can't argue with that. For all of you out there, let this be a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> let this be a lesson. Sometimes in conversations, even if you preface things with, I'm not sure, that's not with what my, you said. Let me finish. No, I didn't no, say no. That. Don't try to switch okay. lanes. No, I didn't say that. No, 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 no. <laughs> you, you caught me. I didn't say that. You get the gist, though. Uh, in, my limited, <laughs> in my limited experience, but you guys can speak to this more than I can. No, even if no, you, no. In that situation, we can't speak to it. You're comedians. No, How but, can you but, not? But, you, but, we're, we're, but in the, the place that you put us in, mm-hmm. we're audience members just like you. Okay. So we listening to. Why are you nodding? You agree with him? Hey man, I'm just taking it in. I'm just listening. Because <laughs> <laughs> we listening, we listening to Paul Mooney, we listening to Patrice O'Neill, yeah. we listening to Deja Chappelle, just like you. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm just trying to understand with with you having knowledge and and have listened to all them comics. How did you come to this feeling? <laughs> <laughs> maybe 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 there's a little bit of bias. Hey, 
for the, for all of you out there, now this is how you humble yourself. I was always probably a little bit of bias because I love Dave. You know, I'm, I'm a big Dave I, fan, so I probably leaned on Dave a little more than I should have. See, you know, I we think could, the, we could have saved a lot of time had you just yeah. said that from the jump. I think the thing with Dave though is like I think the way he delivers his jokes yeah. is probably a little bit different than what folks have been to it. It almost like with his past few specials, like it's almost as if he's just literally just telling a story and adding punchlines mm -hmm. into the story. Where I think with maybe some of the other comedians where it may have missed um, for you is uh, it was a little bit more closer to an actual structure of a joke, you know, with your, your with your premise, your setup, you know, and then coming through with your with your punchline. And I think for like the average person that's watching Dave, like they're not catching that. It's just it's literally like he's just talking to you, smoking a cigarette, and then you know it's almost like he's just having a conversation, yeah, just saying yeah. some funny shit in the conversation. So did you guys uh, watch Gerard Carmichael? Um, yeah, what do you guys think about that? I thought it was great. Yeah, was, I mean, it was his. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was very Dave esque, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, but I, but I agree with you. But I don't think it's not a but. I agree with you. And and Dave didn't start like that. Like he yeah. had to generate yeah, 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 a strong true. following that gave him the freedom to to yeah. deliver in that way. Because yeah. if you if you just if you brand new and don't nobody know you. Ain't nobody gonna sit there and wait. That's no true. That's very 10 true. Ten minutes. That's very right. true. For you to say something funny. True. And I and from you saying that, I hearken back to Dave and Def Comedy Jam, and and his specials. And yeah, it was it was it was yeah. slightly different. It wasn't the storytelling. Yeah. He's evolved. He's yeah. completely evolved into this old sage that just smokes a cigarette and tells Absolutely. you a story, and you laugh yeah, based yeah. on what he's done in the past. Yeah, yeah, very true. Yeah. Um. So with that being said. Who are some of the comedians you look up now? You look at now and you're like, oh man, this, I, I, I like them. They're taking comedy into the future. They're, they're leading it. Man, I got some homies that, you know, ain't really prominent. Like they're they're prominent in certain circles. Yeah. Like there are a lot of uh, black women comics. Yeah. Yamanika Saunders, mm -hmm. Zainab Johnson, mm -hmm. Chloe Hilliard, uh, Marie Faustin, um, 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 she would be pissed. It would be. Ooh, it happens yeah, to the best. I'm getting old. My name. Yeah, you can't remember the name, huh? <laughs> Shout out to all y'all, though. Yeah, yeah, Shout everybody. out to all y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, funny, bro. Yeah. Like, significantly funny, strong presence on stage. Um, yeah. So I would say these are the folks that like. Oh, Rob Hayes, my homie Rob Hayes. He's dope. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, man, first few people I think of is. Uh, my brother, Clint Coley, like he's amazing. There's uh, another brother uh, named Tahir Moore. Tahir, yeah. Uh, Ali Sadiq. Mm -hmm. Ali, H-Town. Yeah, H-Town yeah. representative for show. Uh, and uh, Malik S, like Malik S, um, super do dope cat. He's out of Miami. Yeah. He's like, he's in that same uh, um, gen uh, generation as like uh, Ali Sadiq, but like mm -hmm. I've literally seen him go on stage and just, not have anything prepared and just yeah. say like, hey, just throw subjects at me. And wow. he's like, this is how I write. And he will, somebody will say politics and he'll just make up a mm -hmm. joke about mm -hmm. that. They're on the spot. He is incredible. I watch him in awe. A lot What's his time. name again? Uh, Malik S. Malik S. Okay. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. gangster, man. Hey. Sydney Washington. That's her name. Shout out to mm -hmm. Sydney Washington. That's Alzo was not going to stop until he remembered yeah, your you name. Know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's, that's my sister. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's, it's funny as you know, you, I talk about like setting a um, an ambiance for yourself and a, and a mood. Like when you come home from work, 
you know, making sure your place is clean, having some incense lit, some music playing, something that will calm you down and just an, an area that you can retreat to. And I remember for a long time, I, I didn't go to a comedy show. And one day I was at the crib, just bored out of my mind. And I was like, man, you know, I'm, I'm going to drive down Sunset. Drove down Sunset, went to the, the comedy, was com the, comedy store. the comedy store there and got some French fries and watched the show. And it was so like stress relieving and relaxing, just the laughter. When, it, when I'm driving back home, I thought to myself like, man, laughter provides so much joy and, and relief and de-stressing, it's crazy. And it almost made me feel like, man, every day I should go to a comedy show after working or if I'm stressed out or I'm depressed about something, I'm gonna go to a comedy show because it automatically just de-stressed me. And it's funny how we wait every couple months or every couple weeks to go see a show and everything, but there's so much comedy out here and out in every, in every major yeah. city for you yeah. to go get some, yeah. for lack of a better word, joy in your life. Yeah. So you could retool and regroup and go back and tackle whatever difficulty that, that you're facing. Do you guys feel like when you're writing, when you're creating, are you specifically going out there to be like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring some joy into your life. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna take your mind off whatever you're going through. Or are you, are you out there like, man, you know, um, I need to get this done because I, I want to be funny. I mean, your mindset, your approach to it. Mm -hmm. Is it to please the audience is it, or is it more to, you know, please yourself and be like, okay, I went out there and I knocked out the ballpark? I think for me, it's a mix of both, right? Yeah. And, and I think it's more so like, I found something that I think is really funny. Let me take some time to construct it in a way where I can put it into a joke form <clears throat> with the end result of making the people laugh. Now, if they don't laugh, I'm still probably gonna think it's funny, yeah. but I might, if I think it's funny enough and they don't laugh, I'm like, all right, let me try to reapproach and see if there's another way that I can still keep it alive if it's something that I really, really feel strongly about. But I mean, like we mentioned earlier, like there's a, a certain high, a certain <laughs> adrenaline rush that you get in your body, like when you get that house laugh. And house laugh, for those that don't know, is like when they, pretty much mm -hmm. the entire room is laughing. Yeah. It sounds like a, just a rolling thunder of laughs coming at you and just smacking you in the face when you're on stage. Like that's the best, one of the best feelings you can get. So when I write, I'm writing because mm -hmm. one, I think it's funny and I want to put it out there into the world and see if others think it's funny Yes. with the end result of making the people laugh and, and seeing why I think this is funny. Yeah. I think for me and to, to be, to be fully transparent, like I don't, I haven't done comedy in a while. It's been so, it's been, I probably, I hadn't gotten on stage in, in months and to the extent to where in the comedy world, it would be difficult for me to say that I'm still a stand-up because I haven't been on stage mm. in a while. Now other folks would be like, what, you ain't done comedy in three months? Are you still, think, you know, but this is some shit that you need to do on a regular basis yeah. to stay strong. Yeah. But so, but when I, I think my objective, objective was like always, I, I just have a lot of questions about life, about people, about myself. And these questions make me think. And so what I've, what I would try to do is to just express that in joke form and get people to think and laugh at the same time. And now I work in, in journalism. And so my objective is still to get people to think through the stories that I tell. Yeah. But in this position, I don't have as much freedom to add levity. Right, because some of the stories that I'm telling, them shits are serious. Alzo, you just read my mind, because that was gonna be my next question to you. I was gonna ask you, do you use your experience from comedy 
to add levity to your journalism. I was literally going to ask you that same question. Well, I don't, I don't think it's using comedy directly. I think it's if you just like people, yeah. right? If you like people, <clears throat> it helps you to um, ingratiate yourself with them. Okay. And if you're, and if you, you just use your tools at your disposal, you know what I'm saying? So like you sitting here talking to us, if you didn't know us before we sat down and we come in here, it would behoove you to try to warm us up in some way. Yeah. Right. You, yeah. I, you identify some characteristics that you may connect with. Yeah. Like, okay, this dude got on a, a jacket or he got on some J's. We can start talking about that. And maybe you, you know, you throw a joke in there too. And it's not to manipulate them. It's to, to, to grow closer to them. So yes. when, so you can do your job. Yeah. So you can open them up. So when you sit down and talk to us, then the audience doesn't have to see us as cold because you already become so familiar with us that the audience is now familiar with us off the bat. Right. And comedy definitely helps with that because it's like, you you know, as you said, laughter just opens people up. Yeah. It brings 100%. joy and it and allows us to connect. Which allows it's, me. It's disarming. Yeah. It's very, dis it's, it's extremely disarming. disarming. Yeah. yeah. And then, then the people look at you like, oh, this joke is cool. He's cool. I, I can flex with yeah. you. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, on your last trip, you just came back from the Democratic Republic of Congo, correct? Yeah. With that, tell me about your experience in that. That shit was heavy, though. Yeah. I ain't going to hold y'all. That was one of the toughest that I've done. And you've been a number of places, so. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the continent is always tough. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's frustratingly paradoxical in that the continent has a wealth of resources, both mineral and human. Yes. And it's been exploited throughout history. I mean, even, you know, the Berlin Conference is when, like, the, the, the Western countries was like, Yo, Africa, they got some shit over there. They got gold, they got diamonds, they got all this stuff over there. Instead of us fighting about it, let's just meet up and figure out who gonna take what. Yeah. yeah. Germany, France, Britain. Mm -hmm. And then when it came to the Congo, ain't really nobody know how to get in there, in there. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. it's, it's, there's, it's landlocked. And yeah. so, and it was the unknown. <clears throat> and then leave it up to some question landlocked what meaning what like the, there's no you there's there's no ocean like it's not yeah there's no ocean gotcha gotcha right you know what i'm saying like there's no access to it gotcha by sea um so but leave it up to some uh white missionaries trying to spread jesus christ yeah <laughs> them jokers they found rivers and shit to get you in there and short story shorter you know, uh, King Leopold II in Belgium, rich dude, found out, and he was like, ah, shit, all these other countries got some in Africa, shit, I'm gonna take the Congo. Yeah. So he made he made Congo his personal kingdom. And as, as it's understood, now he never set foot in it, but he used it for elephant tusks at first to grow, to get rich off elephant tusk trade, and then, at the same time this was happening, um, the Industrial Revolution is happening across the world. Cats building, you know, they, they are manufacturing cars. Cars need tires. Tires made of rubber. And them jokers are like, oh, shit, there's a whole bunch of rubber trees in Congo. So that's what we're going to do. 
we're going to exploit the people, make them work in these rubber uh, plantations. And like you see, if you just Google like Belgian Congo, King Leopold, you'll see like people arms chopped off and stuff. They yeah. get, that's what their punishment was. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, and then I said short story shorter, but this is a long story. No, keep going. Um, <clears throat> and then a dude that was that was keeping the books was it was this this is very a bastardized version but the dude was keeping the books uh back in in uh in uh in the port of belgium and he's seeing rubber coming in he's seeing tusks coming in and usually in proper trade something is going out to be paid the only thing getting on the ships is weapons and military so he kept here like this shit ain't adding up. So he went over there himself to see what the fuck was going on. And he saw the atrocities of what they were doing to the Congolese people and how they were exploiting them, their slavery, all of that. So then he snitched to the world. And the world was like, ah, this is terrible. Ah, this is bad. So then Belgium, the country took over, took it from King Leopold II. Mm-hmm. But then they like, shit. All this, yeah. Stuff. We ain't, you know what I'm saying. And so we gonna, we gonna use, we gonna use this for ourselves. Yeah. And they use, they did that all up until 1960, and that's when, um, they got uh, Congo gave, gained their independence. And the first, the first prime minister of independent Congo was Patrice Lumumba. I'm pretty sure you heard of him. Yes. Patrice Lumumba. Yes. Activist. Cold motherfucker, cold, smart. Cold. You know what I'm saying? And this Joker, when he when he had when he took over Independent Congo, it lasted about five minutes. Cause he now he they got copper mines, they got you know all, the, all of these minerals, and he was like, "This is ours." Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Y'all not gonna exploit us no more. We gonna make money from our own mineral resources. Da 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 da. And the U.S. was like, "Wait." Wait a minute. And the UN was like, well, wait a minute. They weren't fucking with him. So he gonna go talk to Russia. And this is 1960. This is during the Cold War. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. You gonna go talk to who? Yeah. You can't do that. You can't right. do so yeah. you gonna it, the the thought of Russia having access and control over those resources was way too much for America to handle. So America. And the UN plotted to kill him. Yeah. They were going to put poison in this toothpaste. They're like, nah, nah, let's not do that. What we're going to do is we already know, we already got some some dudes over there that's in leadership under him that fuck with us. So we're going to get them to orchestrate it because they want power and they already fuck with us. So we're going to have access to the mineral resources in the way that we want them because they are dudes. So they flew him out to this private airstrip, tied him to a tree, shot him, cut him up, put him in a bucket, put him in a uh, a barrel of acid. It's done. And they took over. This is mad. Yeah. And now it's, now the mineral is cobalt. Which is what we use in our, yeah, electric cars and all those. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, just, 
it's so wild. What when you were over there, <laughs> right? From comedy to right. I know, yeah. I know. I was, I was, I was Two thinking, this, this got heavy. <laughs> right. got I heavy. told you, no. I told you. <laughs> no levity was added to that at all. No, no, um, difficult, bro. When you went over there, uh, specifically, you went over there to see the conditions of of, of the area mm-hmm. or just to d- deal with a certain topic it about was it was about cobalt mining yeah, so okay. cobalt as you said is the mineral that's used in our cell phones laptops um electric vehicles that make the batteries yeah. stable it makes them so when they sell us on oh you could charge your battery from empty to full in like five seconds and yeah. it holds a charge for 30 years it's cobalt cobalt yeah. you know what i'm saying yeah. and the issue is that the conditions under which people are mining this mineral are very dangerous. They're exploitative. They're not getting paid much. Um, and so we went over there to see how um, this industry was affecting the lives of those folk. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, the poverty level over there. It's strong. Strong. It's very strong. Would you like, say it's worse in the U.S.? Um, I comp- think it's more, it's more prominent. Yeah. There are more people who are poor yeah. there than uh, there's no middle class. There's very little employment, um, and the as a result of such, you're forced to work in those conditions, and you're making like two, three dollars a day. And what's really fucked up is it costs roughly six to eight dollars a month to send a kid to school. Yeah, you making two, three dollars a day. You got four kids. Everybody ain't going to school, if anybody. Yeah. So then work, but then you still got to feed them. So when they become of age, as young as five years old, guess where they going to work? Right into the mines into as well. Mind. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's a, oh yeah. <clears throat> so, wow. yeah, I mean, I, th- that trip was, was difficult and it made me just think about poverty, um, um, made me think about uh, how, how privileged I am. Yeah. You know, to be living in the way that I'm living, um, it made me raise questions around what responsibility do I have to folks like that? Yeah. You know, is it is it? I mean, is it like ah? I mean, is it is is it? It's kind of unreasonable to think that oh, I'm just I'm not gonna use my cell phone because they, you know, they using cobalt, yeah. exploiting the people, mm-hmm. and because the the, par- the other thing that's paradoxical is that it's not that they don't want to work; they need the money. But just pay them a decent wage and provide safety for them. This folks in these mines 50 feet deep, bro. Ain't got no kind of support. They in there with no shoes, no hard hats. You know what I'm saying? And so then it made me think about working conditions for people here and how privileged I am here. Like, Because there is poverty here, like you said. 